Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 65 of Unmuted. Thank you guys for tuning in, whether you're tuning in live or listening to the to the podcast on Apple I, uh, Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Rami, any of that stuff. Um, I am very excited for today's uh, episode. We got uh, Mr. Mike Malian from uh, the band Monuments. Uh, he's, a, he's the drummer of that band. He's also just a great, well-rounded musician in general. And um, I'm very excited to have a conversation with him about all things uh, music and uh, and to get his perspective on a bunch of the crazy stuff that's been happening around the world. Um, and um, if you guys are tuning in live, uh, make sure you join the conversation in the comments. Uh, anything you uh, you want to say, anything you want to add to the conversation, any questions you have for either Mike or myself, excuse me, uh, we uh, we get to almost every single comment uh, on the on the podcast. And um, yeah, man, we're roll the intro. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much, man. Thanks for having me. I uh, I tried to do a quick quick intro just to, to get get it over with because I know there's a lot of people that are uh, very interested in, and uh, very excited uh, to to hear you on this podcast. Man, it's just so great to be here. Yeah, it's um it's been a while. Uh, you and I uh, met in what was it 2015. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, like it was. Um, it was. Uh, we were outside of the venue where we did the meet and greet uh, where that show with Vader didn't happen. I think that's. Or it was at the rehearsal space leap the day before. Um, yeah, one of I the think two. we tried but to I, shoot I a music video. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that was it. You were like, you were running around, but yeah. Hattie was like, "Yo, real quick, I got to introduce you to this guy." I, I just remember it so vividly because the whole thing was just so crazy, you know. It was, and um, I want to get into that, but just just in case there's anyone listening or, or people tuning in live that uh, don't know um, who you are or what you do, if you could uh, just in your own words introduce yourself to the tribe. People who play the gent genre of music, or it's not a genre, whatever you want to call it. Um, I play drums uh, mainly in the band Monuments. I've also been in bands such as uh, the Heart Machine a long time ago, Disperse more recently, and I've sessioned for bands such as Periphery, Sky Harbor, Pliny, and many others um, kind of have been for years like the kind of one-size-fits-all drummer for anything proggy. Uh, I've also sessioned for Hadi um, of Benevolent at the time and also sessioned for him as a session player. And Hadi's how I know Adnan. We met in, as we were talking about meeting in uh, in Dubai in 2015. But I'm also a Twitch streamer and a, an active YouTuber at the moment. So um, yeah, that's, that's me and that's what I, I That is a rap sheet and a half, dude. There's there's a whole <laughs> lot of names on there. And, uh, and to sprinkle it on top, also a Twitch streamer and YouTuber. Um, which is which is crazy, but yeah, 2015 is when we met. You were uh, you were coming down here to play a show uh, with Benevolent. Uh, at that at that time, they were opening for uh, Vader. There were a couple of other bands on the list, and for the most like Middle Eastern metal experience, you went straight into getting banned. The show got canceled. <laughs> a whole bunch of things. You went straight into the Middle Eastern metal experience right then and there. Yeah, it was kind of crazy, man. Like, um, 
yeah, like I don't know if the story is like not okay to be told or whatever. Oh, no, I, it's okay. I tell it's clearly okay. <laughs> I tell it quite uh, quite openly, but I remember that moment that we'd have this really good practice with uh, Muhammad Gad, and he just gets this message like the show's being cancelled. Um, and I was just like, well, this is crazy. So I remember, you know, not being able to pick up an instrument at the meet and greet that got uh, set up the, the, you know, instead of the gig and like being told, don't pick up an instrument. Even if the fans will say they want to hear you jam, there could be like an undercover CID operative waiting to put us in jail if we pick up an instrument. I was just like, this is the craziest experience of my life today at that point. <laughs> has, has there, I, I, can assume the answer, but has there anything, has there been anything like that since that you've, uh, you've experienced? Not that I can recall <laughs> nothing like turning up to a, like a session gig and then it, and then it kind of all falling apart. I'd have to rack my brain to compare it, but, um, honestly, nothing, nothing like that, that I can, that I can think of. There's been plenty of times where we've turned up and gear is missing and you've got to like run around, but like the show has always happened to a degree like the show never didn't happen on the day or like within 24 hours or, or because you know cancelled because of a technicality cancelled because of uh, permits or something like that but not cancelled because someone flagged the headlining band as satanic <laughs> yeah and, and as like a power play as a rival promoter to shut them down exactly. to like yeah. you know as, as as a big like fu like i just couldn't believe it like it really opened my eyes um as you say, no better experience I could have ever had. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're going to jump into the comments real quick. Brendan's in the house and Nikki's What's in up, the house. Brenda? What is up, Nikki? Uh, Carolina? 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 Yeah, that's my wife, Carolina. Oh, hi. Carolina. Thank you for tuning in. Um, uh, Pinky's in the house. What's up, Pinky? Thank you for tuning in. Um, uh, Michelle says, hey, uh, 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 Marlon. Is that? Marlon. I guess Mike or Mally. Yeah, one I, of the I two. think the, it's, a, it's a typo <laughs> there. Uh, do you write the drums yourself or together? And do you use programming to get that gent in there? Yeah, uh, I program a lot in my pre-production mainly. Um, I really like to use uh, programming as a way of kind of getting hearing the sound of ideas before having to spend hours working out if they're good or not. Um, I also write quite a lot of my own material and I like to program guitars and stuff even. But yeah, as pre-production and as learning, I tend to use programming and tabbing or use one for the sake of the other. It's a good thing for my learning experience to kind of see the notes on the screen, whether that be in a piano roll or in a score. But um, you know, in a manuscript format. But um, yeah, like when it comes to the whole the whole goal, I think of this genre is quite like drummers like Jojo Mayer deal with drum and bass. It's like humanizing the electric uh, or the, you know, the, the, the impossible, humanizing the impossible, the machine impossible, because, you know, these, these samplers fire everything out at impossible velocities. And, you know, it's about how to like get that sound, but also inject humanity in there and kind of trading off with technology. And I don't think that's uh, unique to people of my of my position. I think anyone who's had to deal with replicating studio magic in a live environment, vocalists as well, uh, and uh, just all guitarists like who, you know, getting out of that, oh, you'll just fix it in the edit and just like, no, actually do it live. Otherwise, it, you know, it didn't happen. So. That's interesting that you marry the... Uh... The, the both worlds, like the analog and the and the digital, because when we first met, you were uh, you were doing a project called the algorithm, I believe. 
Oh yeah, I should have really mentioned which is, that. Which is the, that exact world, right? Yeah, literally, like um, how to play the algorithm was like, ah, uh, yeah, I could, I, I could, I could talk about it for hours. But essentially, I had to come up with cheat codes. Uh, my metronome would always be a step ahead of me, counting me more likely into the next section rather than the moment I'm in. And then I'd like rely on myself to just improvise something crazy. And it was all about you know like hitting that main moment. Uh, at the right time, more you know, if you could get those these key uh, starting moments and the main accents, then you've got um, you know, then you've got more people p paying attention to those accents than you have everything in between. So it's like if you can just get between these milestones, what you do in the jump doesn't matter anywhere near as much. I want to talk a little bit about. Um, uh, we'll we'll dive into into some of the technical stuff and and the bands and and all of that. But I want to talk about being. Uh, a musician, a drummer for for um, you know monuments, and and you you've been around the block for for quite a while, and then March hits or Feb around that area, and uh, everything comes <laughs> to a screeching halt. Um, how how was that for you? How was that experience for you? Because what I remember is the last time you and I spoke, uh, I saw that you guys were going to India, and I was like, oh, that would be a great opportunity, maybe to swing by Dubai. There were all these plans. How was uh, how was the the COVID hit uh, in the UK? I mean, it was like the like I would say the same as in everywhere in the world. But I know that there were some real crazy things that have been are still going on in like India and Nepal and stuff. And you know, there were there were some serious humanitarian crises out there. So like, what happens in Britain? Nowhere near on the level of that. But a lot of sickness, a lot of death, and everything getting shut down. Of course, um, thankfully, the India and the European tour that came straight after it, um, they went pretty smoothly they were back to back and uh but while we were flying in and out of india um screenings were happening at airports everyone was masked everyone was taking it a lot more seriously we were joking about it singing like my corona instead of my sharona <laughs> like being a bunch of idiots um on the planes because we were like ah it's it's just another another swine well, maybe not swine flu but you know what i mean like another one of these like it, yeah it's bad but it's not gonna get I, that i bad. was completely like, that guy too we um i remember yeah. there was uh we, we were supposed to play a show here in uh in on march uh the 13th with the uh, lacuna coil and uh, when oh, they okay. couldn't come because of flight restrictions we're like oh that's okay we'll just put on a local show and then none of the <laughs> venues wanted to book the bands and i was like Wait, what's happening? It's just they can't fly out because that's something else. That's that's just Italy. It's not nothing to do with yeah. the rest of the world. Well, yeah, Italy, France, Spain—they were all much faster on it. Um, but yeah, we were about to go to America, and we were, we actually hadn't quite yet gotten our visas approved. And then it was when our visa agent had to get locked out of his office, and we had to rescind our whole visa process and lose all the money you know put into that was like such a that was just so painful and it's still like a big like financial roadblock for the band to move past um and we can't just put on a show because we have an american vocalist and we don't want to do a show without him and it's like you know it's a it's a tricky one you know getting getting out of that hole um and it's honestly not one that we've even worked out how to get past yeah. so we're just moving on writing uh you know maybe you know thinking about putting out more tracks putting time into you know an eventual album but we're all we're all also just like adjusting to living with this, and so we're very like giving each other a lot of space and a lot of understanding in that we're all learning to reskill. Um, 
but um but honestly like having dealt with my uh my prior injuries for those who didn't know i had to take like a year out because of a shoulder tendon tear and another year and a half out or nearly two years out due to um a tear in my uh my labrum in my hip socket and i had to have surgery for the latter um i was kind of like prepared emotionally to be able to just change and do things again it wasn't the first time i'd had to like had like a life-changing thing like that happen so uh but i i did get wiped out for like a month or two i didn't do anything i still don't um i still don't hold myself to the same standards as i did before because i get stressed and angry and frustrated and all these natural things and i'm not going to sit here and pretend like that's not normal like it, it, none of us know how to deal with any of this so yeah. it's like yeah, I had a, I had a kind of a bit of an issue at the very beginning of the lockdowns where where everyone was um, was in quarantine and stuff. There was a lot of people doing like that quarantine grind, where uh, it's like, oh, now is the time to do everything you've never done, and you need to get out and jog. And I was just like, yo, I'm just recovering mentally from like everything ending. Yeah, and I, uh, on a bit of a personal note, I didn't talk about this much at the time, but um, my dad also got a cancer diagnosis within three days of lockdown starting March. I think it was like March the 28th or something like that. And so that was like, that was it for me. I was just like, well, now I'm dealing with this and that. I'm like, I was actually, if anything, I was actually glad not to go on tour because I was like, I get to be with my family now. That tour was going to make me miss my brother's wedding. Wow. Uh, so it was like, and I was all cut up about that, but I committed to being back in monuments and I'd let my, my calendar slip, you know, after being away for so long. So in a lot of ways, it was actually, it had a lot of positives for me. And I've been able to provide my services for a lot of musicians in this time. I've been busier as a session guy than I have been since like 2013, 2012, when I was like, you know, I used to do like uh, play for four bands or do, you know four performances in one day at one festival, you know, like in at Euroblast or Techfest or something. So it was like it's really, it's but it's a good busy and there's less of the traveling. So there's more of the comfort and being able to put on gigs from my own my own home is just like kind of mad you know like absolutely insane but it, it's been a lot of grinding i was researching how to do this how to do that for months you know no one was really seeing all that time put in but you know yeah my work is that I, I have a lot of people who see what i'm doing now and they think like oh shit i have to like grind quick push this out but it's like you know this has been a half a year of uh, of hard work to to get things going and to keep and to keep working with it and i'm one of the very few people who have like a place to comfortably make music at my own in my own home you know as you can see behind me there's the garden and my house is uh i'm trying to orient my finger <laughs> i can't do it <laughs> i can never do that my house is down the garden like 70 meters away so my drum kit's in here and everything and i can i can just make music freely in here and like you know, people who are stuck at home with their kids and they're not going to work and the kids aren't going to school. They don't even have the capability of thinking about playing their instrument. Um, let's not talk about all the crews who can't do their work. Yeah, who can't. Was, uh, that, that's a whole <laughs> other... I can't even imagine how that's going. Oh, man. Yeah, it's... Um, I don't I don't even know like no one knows we're just working it out like one day at a time yeah. like like I'm going back to therapy because I'm not coping as well as I'd like to be I, I'm not I'm not making any like I'm not pretending like it's all fine because it really isn't no one no one's fine anyone who's saying it's fine is like either you know rich enough to pay people to not be able to care or just in denial in my opinion like hey you know 
anyone who's dealing well with it, you know, God bless you. St- keep going that way. But, you know, I got a feeling that like 99% of people are just putting on a brave face and, and pushing on with it. But like, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I'm a, I'm a recent convert of, uh, of going to therapy. I was, I was the guy what? that's like, ah, no, no one needs it. And then, uh, I went, my wife convinced me to go to my first session and then I was like, oh shit, I, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, doing it for a few, I, I, well, I have had a break for a while, but I was, I, I had to do quite a lot of it to get over my emotional damage from the injuries. So I'm kind of, I've become like no stranger to it, thankfully, but it's just like, um, you know, if you don't, clean your car for years it's gonna get algae and stuff and it's gonna stink probably and then it's like well wouldn't it be nice to just be in a more maintained car no one likes to do the dishes i mean maybe some people do. like not me but you know what i mean it's it's maintenance uh, pure and simple and um our society doesn't um normalize that that's okay especially for men um you know male suicide has been skyrocketing through this and i'm sorry to just jump straight to that as a bottom line but like you know we our society i, I like to be the one in society to normalize like that it's okay to ask your friends for help it's okay to be vulnerable publicly and um you know i just i just advocate that a lot because um you know too many people around me have died in the last six months uh, and the last few years in general i'm just yeah. like no let's help each other out here 100 like, i you try know. to i try to uh at least mention it when it comes up on the podcast because uh we have that issue uh, multiplied a little bit in the middle east where uh mm. where the idea of therapy is already a little like gray and then when you add like m- you know a middle-aged male there's n- there's nowhere uh, anyone over 30 that's never been to go to therapy for the first time it, it just doesn't exist in the middle east so i always try to bring it up and just say like you know it, it it's helped uh, our family out a lot and uh, and right. uh, if anyone uh, if you can if you have the means and you can go for it um it's it's guaranteed uh like i i push for that 100% yeah, fully. I mean, it's it, there's there's uh, stigmas in a lot of cultures, as you say, um, and it's it's hard to push through. And uh, like in England, you can just call up IAPT or you can call Samaritans, or sorry, or whatever, and you can kind of just go for it as long as your society around you will allow that um, and won't judge you for it. But some people who are stuck at home with people who won't understand, you know, it's a very difficult situation. And um, you know, I just but I but I hope that by um, anyone in a position of influence like we might be to some people uh we just stand up for for what's right and you know help people to get through this and and i know that you're not alone with it and you know and i can see you've you yourself had and you've curated a community uh where you're free to talk about it so anyone who's watching live or listening to this later can relate to that you know and i've got my own communities you know i spend a lot of time talking to people in you know the discord server that i've made or every comment on youtube anyone who ever reaches out they're gonna get something back like every time it's a you know it's a give take thing always um and that's what music is anyway no one we don't do music for us a hundred percent yes we love it but we love seeing the faces on the audience and knowing that they're going home especially the metal musicians you know we know that our fans are going home uh relieved they've got the moshing out of their system they've had a good headbang they've seen their friends or they've made new friends and maybe their next day isn't going to be so dark um it means a lot to us as musicians i think um the ones who do it for the right reasons there are I want to I want to jump into the comments. I want to talk about the the community you've uh, you've built, but uh, I just want to go through the comments real quick. 
Uh, Palash in the house. Uh, what's up, Palash? He says, being able to play periphery track is no joke. Much respect. I saw that. Thanks, man. <laughs> um, uh, Flores saying, hey. Uh, Katie saying, hey. Uh, Michelle uh, is asking, do you ever write anything you couldn't make live? Uh, sorry about the typo. Uh, Malian, uh, it's Michelle with a CH from Ahmed. Oh, Michael. Michael. Okay, <laughs> shout out to Michael. Yeah. Hey, well, we got it. Uh, we got it back and forth there. We're, yeah. we're both on the same. <laughs> no problem about typos. It's, it's it's new introductions and Malian's a difficult name. So, yeah. Um, but yeah uh, have I made something that I haven't been able? I couldn't make live. Not yet. Um, I always try. <laughs> I'm always trying to do something, break the impossible barrier. You know, but I kind of feel like. I used to need to break the impossible more. Now I'm more of a fan of don't try and do it in the impossible way live, but tick as many of the boxes that make it sound impossible. But definitely I'm all about simplifying it to be able to make it work because 90% of the time it's like, you're gonna get to see me on stage for like, what, five seconds or, or you, you know, like 60 minutes at the at tops probably. And I'm then going to have spent the other 23 hours of that day probably traveling and sound checking and dealing with like having been doing this for weeks before or weeks afterwards or, or you know, whatever. So I, I need to be able to to do it regularly and still be in, in a good space. So I'm not trying to like break those boundaries. I used to and I think it's why I got injured. So, um, yeah, I think I had some personal issues that made me feel like I had to be better all the time you know how um you know how I learned in therapy that you know like uh self-loathing and stuff can can tie into like oh never being good enough can tie into like needing to do that so I am thankful for it to a degree because like I wouldn't have gotten to this level if I hadn't pushed that hard I just kind of wish I'd been a bit more healthy-minded about it the whole time but hey what can you do you live and you learn right can we talk a little bit about um the injuries just uh, just when it happened, how you found out, or, or anything along those lines, because uh, I, I know everyone knows that uh, that you took the break and that it has uh, has been rough. But um, how was it for you? Like you, you were saying, it might have been because of pushing uh, that hard. Was it were, was it uh, as uh, uh, playing like a physical uh, issue that that you kind of injured yourself, or how how did that happen? Yeah, it was. Um... It was pretty much uh, overplaying, not looking after myself well enough. Uh, in relation to the fact that I also have a few physical things like uh, hypermobility and um, some of my joints aren't well suited for hypermobility. Like it's easy for me to injure. Like, uh, and I found this all out obviously after the fact, but um, a lot of people can just kind of rock and roll it and just kind of push through without hydrating properly or stretching or warming up or whatever and be fine. But I'm not one of those guys. So, but I was also the kind of guy that if I started to hurt, I would just play harder. And there was like, there was literally gigs where I, there was one gig in particular where I had to get carried off the drum kit because I hurt before I did it. I drank too much and I just, and I just smashed myself into oblivion. And like, I didn't realize that you could even categorize drumming as self-harm like that. I'd never been taught that. I'd never understood that. I don't want to blame my teachers or the people around me, but it's not something that I ever twigged for me. So um i only learned that after the fact and i only learned that after the second break so the first break was 2015 2016 that was shoulder injury and i joined disperse while i was injured but i left monuments because of it because i just couldn't play properly i couldn't take the time out they needed to keep doing stuff was I didn't that know you how were sessioning uh for benevolent at, during that break wasn't it 
Uh, yeah, that would have. Um, I don't know if I did it. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I was still struggling with the injury uh, when I when I did that. For it's for like since 2014. That's when the actual like first incident occurred. Mm-hmm. A loading. It was a loading injury while I was on tour with Monuments, uh, supporting after the burial and bands like that. Um, loading a massive hard case. I just uh, I something just snapped. I don't know what. I think it, that was the shoulder tendon actually snapping. But lots of peripheral damage was all over the place, and I just kept trying to push through it. You know, and it. It's just I eventually had to stop and take a big break um, and I had the hip injury that whole time as well but I didn't address it because I didn't understand it but I couldn't stand at a gig like I couldn't if I went to a gig I had to sit down and I hadn't even twigged it it took me like two years after this time to even and once I kept trying to play kept having problems and then the hip injury got so bad I, it was untenable and then I play again a bit more for and do another session another fly and do another thing and then eventually like 20 um 2017 it was like no i've actually got to stop so um yeah so that's when i then it took me it took a long time to get the surgery and then uh, it took a long time to recover afterwards and hattie is the first person i played for after i got back from that surgery um the very first gig i did back was uh his solo show supporting um bastille in abu dhabi yeah which was uh, which was such a fun gig um yeah it was uh yeah, and the the 2015 Dubai stop. Ah, yeah, it was um, on my way back from playing Soundwave in Australia. So I, I had my wrists um, wrapped because they were giving me some trouble. But um, yeah, I hadn't hit that stopping point quite yet. It's great to see you in here, Brandon. Actually, you mentioned earlier, Brandon, um, about Brandon being in here. He actually came down to the Indian show. He actually filmed the whole thing. Was still uh, still trying to put that show together. I think. Um, uh, the audio recordings were all done, and he he did like a multicam of the show. It was so good to see him. Oh, like, sweet. Shout real. out to Brandon, man. He's been uh, he's been grinding for the scene uh, for for a long time, and uh, yeah, man. always always shows all the bands a lot of love. Yeah, absolute hero. Like became good friends quite quickly. Uh, he just uh, you know always um you know helped um, out so much. I'm gonna jump back in the comments where where Brendan's at. Uh, Michael Esmer is saying uh, the algorithm is crazy good. Gent can sound the same sometimes. How do you try to stay creative? within the genre limits the genre limits only get imposed after it gets popular it's very much that i feel like the word like gents one of the only metal subgenres that hasn't suffered from the whole core thing although gent core is a thing but i feel like core it sounds to me a lot of the time like a distillation and uh, and a self-imposed limit of the genre. So you have the you have the pioneers, and then you have the new genre of like the people who are trying to fit within that limit. So the prog- the progressive mentality that got us to have the, these genres. Um, didn't have those limits imposed so it's a very self-imposed thing um and it starts to sound the same because people try to sound the same um and it's a very difficult mentality to get out of and it's hard to be around people who are forward thinking but it's important if you want to break the limits is to step outside of that world entirely and to lose the um try to get away from like the social need to be doing something especially for those who are so focused on doing something that is successful and they let that define what they play as opposed to just doing something that excites them and makes them feel like they're doing something new um i feel, and the more I feel out- like gent had the same uh lifespan as uh, the word metalcore did where it was it was something that was born out of a necessity and then it kind of got popularized and then the the word itself became dirty to some degree like we're not we're not gent we're a progressive and 
all these yeah, things, it has that <laughs> weird fruit, fruit-like lifestyle where it gets ripe and then it gets rotten. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's um, it's to quote Mick Gordon, the the it, there's a great interview that he did. Mick Gordon's the guy who wrote the Doom soundtrack uh, for the 2016 uh, game and also Doom Eternal to a degree. He basically had this great um, this great uh, YouTube video on if you want to change the outcome, you have to change the process. If you don't change the process, you're not going to have a different outcome. And nothing's happened to stop the process from changing until really until COVID or and or otherwise whenever like the only other things that have changed the process were the birth of the internet, the birth of the birth of social media, which gent is very much it ties into like the sociological benefit of having social media and being able to advertise yourself and the whole birth of the bedroom guitarist thing. Um, you know, but we could go into the details about how that and pirated software and the ability to gain to have access to not just cheap software, but even have free software because people were pirating and all of the people who were making this music were probably started off by pirating it. Like, and you know, they will eventually buy the stuff and it's, I'm no advocate for piracy whatsoever. I don't pirate anything anymore. Like you, you buy that stuff where you don't use it, but, um, at the time, it, it you know it made a huge thing, but I digress. I, I have a tendency to go kind of off topic. That's, but, that's you know. this is why it's long form. I love I love these tangents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's I like to get into it, um, but yeah, like I just feel that um, we have an opportunity at every moment to do something differently. And if you really want a different uh, outcome, really consider a different process, analyze what's going on and why these things keep happening over and over again. Um, uh, and the next time the guy that you're trying to join a band with is so obsessed with, uh, you know, want to join a band for people who want to sound like this band, this band, this band, potentially ignore the advert or go meet them and talk to them and say, you know what, how about you just jam something that's just you? And if you can't, let's work on that together. Let's find a sound here and let's not care about it being big or small. Let's just put our time into doing something that we enjoy because you're probably going to find something that people are going to love more. You're almost guaranteed to. Um, there, are, there are huge fans of Yoko Ono out there just saying, you know, like, can't stand the sound of us screaming, but some people love it and she's happy. Screw it, you know? Yeah. I always, I always tell up and coming uh, bands or, or uh, guys that are starting off in, in, in bands and stuff like, y you will do a bunch of sound alikes. There is going to be a bunch of like straight up influenced, ah, oh, this guy is definitely influenced by this guitarist. But eventually, through the path, it, as long as you bounce back and forth between the people around you, it will muddle up and, and turn into something completely different because no two people hear the same record the same so even if you're influenced by the same bands all that stuff it'll it'll always end up different yeah totally um it's it's just so easy to i just saw the response that uh my, my you know michael Alasbar just said as well as um you know uh you know why people are thinking differently um and what you're saying about the whole influenced versus copycat term that's a very uh <laughs> what's up andy beta rules god it's gonna follow me forever um uh i misspelled the word beirut um there's a song that i was covering by mike Dawes, yeah and uh i thought it was beta and now everyone says beta rules because i said beirut <laughs> rule. um uh, i i uh, i champion this this whole thing that should that that should follow you <laughs> yeah but um but yeah influence be, you know being true to your influence is totally fine and I, I struggle a lot from like oh i just made something and it's just it's actually not even like 
much me. That's actually a lot of an idea that influenced me. And most of the time I used to just shut down that whole idea and its whole tree, everything that came off of it, it just got, I just felt that tree right then and there. And then that project is just grounded. But recently I, I made like, I, I copied a chord sequence accidentally from CAFO by Animals as Leaders. But it's just a four, six, one. Like that's not, that's not a, a, an animals as leaders only thing. And it was different enough that it was my thing. But I actually had enough faith in what I was making in that moment um, that I actually felt like, you know what, I'm just going to stick with this. And if anyone else draws that comparison, I'll say, yeah, it probably happened in my head because I'd heard that and I loved that. And I liked what it did in that song at that moment. And I used it as a similar device then and there. But, you know, I had no intention of copying it. I never did. But I used to shut this stuff down a lot. And I, I don't anymore. It's... um. But it is hard. It is very hard. Yeah, because uh, I forget if it was Rob Zombie or someone uh, said everything's already been done. It, it, inspiration and imitation are are muddled up anyway. Um, so it's uh, it's just a it's how you your intention. That's the that's the word. It's the intention behind it. Am I intentionally copying this, or was I inspired and uh, and have went on creating something that might happen to sound somewhat similar or not but the intention behind it was was not to uh, impersonate yeah and also that what you did was good enough for you regardless of where it came from again if you don't have that self-belief and that self-confidence you're probably going to think ah uh, yeah it, it's going to tie into everything like and it's hiding if, if it's something that you like I, like I was dealing with it and it hid in everything and I was like why is everything so hard and it just, just took so long to work out where that was all coming from and just learning about it hasn't fixed it I still have to work every day to get past that you know I think it's there's you know it's uh it's just um super super difficult but um yeah I was just seeing as well in the comments as Palash was asking about um words of wisdom for a young and who's just started a solo metal project um first thought every day that comes to him is that uh give it at least five years and see what it does i mean great patience right there uh, to, to start out with that outset like let's see what it does over five years although it's a very sizable amount of time yeah um, five years is, is a long time yeah i'd say that's too long to like just wait and see i think like you gotta be a little bit more like you know not too short-term focused like oh i'm not i'm not x amount bigger in one day therefore i give up but potentially you know milestones realistic and time uh, time management there's this thing that i used to teach uh that i learned through uh teaching in my in my downtime uh, with injury which was like you know making goals and i think they used the acronym smart which was like i can't remember the exact words but the idea was that it's like you make goals that you can reach uh they're helpful they're manageable they're trackable so like, and if that should be like a, a PR related thing, like um, I want X amount of people to be listening to me by this time, then just having that goal can influence the process of like, well, how do I now hit that goal? And having that goal can can give you a, a bigger chance to hit it. But being flexible and, and all the rest of it, it's um, super different. But just, yeah, follow the advice that we're giving here earlier, which is to really stick to you, um, you know, be true to yourself and to... And to you know, not worry about being influenced, but try not to like fall into someone else's box because you're going to get frustrated that you're in that box. You won't even realize you put yourself in there in the first place. It's, you know, uh, sometimes that's like hard to swallow pills, but I mean it with all the love and respect. Like it's so easily done. And um, I definitely thought like that when I wasn't a notable artist when I was a kid growing up. I just wanted to play. I was just in periphery cover bands like Tesseract cover bands, whatever. I just wanted to play with these bands. 
so bad and I wanted to play these guys' music so much, I just didn't even care about writing my own stuff. And if I did write anything, I was straight up ripping them off. But I didn't care. I loved it. You know, I uh, I completely agree. And I think um, I'd add to that um, the actual uh, goal. So even if you um, you turn down the five years a little or not. Palash, it's uh, the goal is the thing that a lot of people uh, misdefine. Uh, is that even a word? That's not a word. <laughs> but um, everyone wants the the big, massive, uh, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. They want the the headlining slot at uh, Vakan Festival. That's everyone starts w- imagining that. I think the if you turn down the goals uh, at the beginning and, and like uh, Mike said, just uh, take it step by step. So the first thing is, you know, release an EP, put it out on Bandcamp and and spread the word. That's the first goal. Forget the five years, just as, just until, you know, end of October. That's my goal right now and, and focus all your energy on that. And then set yourself a new goal after that. I think that's, that's the best way to approach it. Yeah, fully. Um, yeah, and just, uh, and also just like, Put out the best quality you can. Um, Don't worry too much about needing what you do now to look like how you want it to look. You're going to have this imagination, right, of where you want to get to. And it's probably going to make you feel like I can never get there. Therefore, I'm just going to give up. But there's that side of the coin, which is far too far on one side. But on the other side, you have like, I just want to get things out and I'm just going to do it now. And I don't really care about the quality of it because I just because I'm impatient and I want this to be at that higher point. Uh, I don't have the time or resources or effort, the uh, ability to get to do high quality stuff. So I'm just going to do whatever's on my mind. And then all, all you'll ever see are posts that don't uh, grab the viewer's attention quickly. They might not have a good enough quality to actually put the viewer or the listener, give them even an idea about what the final vision is in your head. And it's very important that... Um, you respect the vision that's in your head. You're the only one who sees what you want to do the way you want to do it. And it's you have to really work. I feel well, it shouldn't be work. It should. It, the hope is that it comes easily. It doesn't, but that's the hope is to get your ideas to the viewer at the best quality you can do in within your means at that time so that they're seeing where you're going with it they see that you've like it's like the law of attraction if you want people to fill a huge boat you build a huge boat and hopefully they will fill it um if the boat isn't big if it's a tiny boat and there are holes in the you know holes in it no one's gonna want to get in and you might not realize that it looks like that so and you'll know who your friends are because they'll give you constructive criticism they'll know what you're doing wrong in that regard and they won't be afraid to tell you um, because they want to help you because they want to help you succeed um and it's another one of these things where the community that we build is so important because i love telling people this because i just want them to succeed i, I want to see what their what their vision is if they got this grand idea like okay maybe you know some of this stuff you know playing the first gig on the moon it might not happen for everyone but if you don't have that dream how are you gonna you know if you don't push towards it you're never gonna know and the journey is all that matters but so you know if you don't ever quite hit that goal you might not have gotten to the halfway point that you'll end up getting to quarter way that might still be better than anything you could imagine doing at this point in time so it's it's always worth giving it a shot if you but you know commit to it make the make the quality of the stuff as as good as it can be i want to go back to um to to communities you keep mentioning uh the community and i want to talk about uh, what you're doing with twitch and and youtube and uh, and everything else but um has has uh, doing live streams uh helped you 
like uh, smooth out the process of releasing stuff. I don't know how to explain it, but for me doing the live stream, because I'm an editor by profession. Everything right, right, I do right. is post-production. Uh, you, you get the footage, I sit down and no one gets to see it until I think it's perfect. Having to do the live streams uh, completely changed my perspective about uh, just abandoning something. When, when, you, when you think it's done, you could let it go and, and just keep it up or, or post it or release it or do whatever it is. Has, has anything like that happened with you and, and doing live streams on Twitch? Hugely. I can't even begin. Uh, every video I used to put out, I mean, I did this cover of a song called Dama, right? And I cut that together out of 15 takes, a different take every four bars, the best moment of a collaboration of, of takes, right? You know, and like, it's not fair for the viewer because they think, how am I supposed to do this in the moment and it be as good as that? Then again, I got influenced by hearing fake drummers and thinking they were real, and that's how I wanted. That's how I wanted to sound. So that influ that you know, that post production inspires us to get better. But at the same time, playing live on Twitch meant that like the mistake is an um, opportunity to laugh about it. It's a it's an opportunity to do something different, which is very much my mentality when I play live. I don't care about that. I love playing live because unedited, you know, like you can't you can't go back and edit that. I mean, you can if you record it and you really work hard on it, but I'd much rather you didn't. <laughs> and as a result of do doing it and playing, you know, six hours a week minimum, uh, you know, three hours per stream twice a week, uh, I started to put out YouTube videos that were just single takes. Like uh, I'd multicam one take and I'd just do it. And then I wouldn't edit the audio. I'd just put it out. And, I'll, and I'm now honest about it. If you see in my video that it says this was taken in one take, probably I did a bunch of practice ones and it was probably the third or the fourth take. But sometimes it was the first take. Sometimes I was so busy trying to put out one YouTube video every week and do two streams and work for some session job or whatever it is, you know, there's always something going on. Um, that I'd just be like, shit, I got like three hours and I got, a, and I, I, once I did it, I had to go away, do a session. Out. I did four monuments covers in like one, I sat down in one session and tracked four tracks. And it was like, there was no time to put in that effort. It was like, it has to be good enough. But because I've just been touring that stuff and I've been playing these tracks for most of my life, it feels like, it was like, well, it better be good enough because it was every time I played for an audience, it's been practiced enough and it, and it came out fine. I, I allowed it to be me. Um, and it's very hard to stream because you've just got to be you and be okay with you and the, the, the pauses, the blunders. But Twitch is the most insane community for that. People want to help you. People want to see you get through that. If I've got OBS problems, like, you know, like, you know broadcast software issues, then it's going to, I'm going to shut down my, Thing and like I'm gonna be troubleshooting in the middle of a show, and I'll come back and 30 or so people will still be waiting. You know, they'll still be yeah. in the chat room. They're just, they're just and I'm, it blows my mind that they're so uh, they're so they're so open with it. You don't have to hide that it's difficult. You can just be open with it. Obviously, you need to sort it out and get the show back on track. But you know, like um, it's the same thing as if you treat tech problems at a gig. Uh, you start singing stupid music or singing with the crowd instead of just sitting there and getting huffy puffy. And then the crowd gets like, you know, they they do this, and you know that you've just lost what you just worked so hard to get their attention. You now have to get it back. Uh, um, yeah, the, like, these, um, the tribe, I call these guys the tribe because uh, they're so yeah. tight. They're so uh, tight knit and uh, they've seen me reboot, restart. Uh, the show is actually called Unmuted. Uh, mm. it, it's a cool name that took a life of its own, but 
it started because I muted all my guests at the beginning. The first six uh, episodes, every single guest was uh, muted for the first minute of the show until someone commented, <laughs> yo, unmute them. <laughs> you could unmute it, that's amazing. So then it became, uh, it became unmuted. Yeah, man, fully. Just wanted to say hi to Andy as well. I, saw, I was just scrolling through the comments that we were getting through. The one is the guy who said the beta rules. Yeah. So I, uh, Shout out to Andy, thanks for tuning in. Um, yeah. uh, Pinky's in the comments. He says, I met Mike when Monuments played at Euroblast in Dublin 2012, I think, and someone spilt a pint on the mixing desk. Great fun. Uh, he also says, <laughs> Born of Osiris were on that bill as well, I think. Uh, Pinky's, ah, um, yeah. Pinky's a sound guy over in... Uh, in uh, in the, U in the UK in general and in, uh, in Ireland, um, who's doing yeah. uh, the, or was doing The Conjurer before everything, uh, oh damn, everything locked That's down. Uh, they stole him from us. He was a Svengali sound guy. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh man, well it's good that you guys are still cool. That's great. I mean, uh, supporting each other as you, as you rise oh, dude, through the anyone, ranks. Anyone that leaves and, uh, and gets, gets more on the road from, from the Dubai scene, I'm all for that. Yeah, yeah, for real. It's a sick scene though. But um, yeah, it wasn't Euroblast that happened in Dublin, but the um, it was there was a lot of excitement about that show because it was the first progressive metal slash gent show that Dublin had had at that point, and I remember it fucking clear as day. More like load in to load out. That day is like ingrained in my memory for various reasons. Um. <laughs> some good, some bad. Mostly good. Uh, absolutely insane gig. Um, that whole tour was the first time we met Chris Barreto, who became the vocalist of the band. We were having problems with our current vocalist at the time, and Chris was just coming on stage and playing sax. I remember Chris had couldn't get from backstage down the stairs. He couldn't get to the stage, so he just crowd surfed to the stage, did his sax solo and everything, and then just crowd surfed back to the staircase. <laughs> People were just so excited to see to see a, a concert like that. And of course, Born of Osiris were ridiculous. Uh, and Chris was there because he was uh, singing for The Heart Machine, who was the opener. Mm -hmm. Then it was Monuments, and then it was After the Burial, and then it was Born of Osiris. And tours with Born of Osiris are just, I think we put down like 122 bottles of liquor on that tour, and it was only, it was less than 30 days long. There were between 24 people. Um, I. I mean, Born of Osiris at the time, they would put down three bo three big bottles of Jack between them before the show started. Wow. Half a bottle of Jack each. They, it's literally just a bottle of Jack and a two-liter bottle of Coke. And you just skull, skull, pass it over, skull, skull. And it's just, being on tour with them was just nuts. Like, absolutely crazy. Um, I've, only seen them, I've only seen them play white once, but uh, it was very tight. They were still, yeah, I, it, it, after a bottle of Jack, if you're still tight, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, well, they they got over there. I think I think the alcohol cut down a lot over the years. I think um, that time was particularly wild. Um, yeah, the, yeah, the pub was called uh, was called the Pint. A TM for that tour. Uh, Pinky, oh shit, who was the TM for that? That would have been Joe Horror. That would have been Board of Osiris's TM. Um, and he was just like you know party TM as much as anything. He'd get us to the shows every time, no problem, but he would uh, he would also know exactly what Boo needs and exactly the moment that they need it and and get them. I believe that this was the show that me and Ollie had our first ever like actual fight as well. I broke a chair over his head. Oh, <laughs> we got really drunk. Fight, we play fight. fight. We, 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 we were play fighting. His best friend, Gillen, was on the tour playing drums for Heart Machine and um, <laughs> he... Uh, they were play fighting. I joined in. Um, I think I accidentally choke holded uh, Ollie. 
Uh, Ollie went went for me and Gillen backed out. And then before I knew it, I'd uh, broken a chair over Ollie's head. And I managed to cool it down by just sitting down. I remember Ollie threw a bunch of yogurts at my face and flipped a table. And we and the next day we were in the in the queue for a McDonald's at the next service station, and we just hugged it out and we were fine. <laughs> and we've never had a moment like that. But we joke about it because um, Tor is intense, man. Tor is very intense. Yeah, uh, living in a bus with a bunch of people very close quarters it's not luxury at all it is luxury in the fact that you can be in an environment where you can sleep while you travel but it's um not from the faint-hearted and we we had our issues but we're, we're still wonderful friends of course we still play together you know it's uh it's amazing to uh, <laughs> to do it yeah i haven't uh, uh, i haven't had as much experience uh, touring in uh, anywhere uh, in, in europe yet but um I can imagine from the little that I have seen, you learn more about yourself than you do necessarily the other people. Like the thresholds, I've, I've found like, oh shit, I, I can't take that on a daily basis. <laughs> but I mean, like mm-hmm. little things on a daily basis in a very small confined area, you start to realize, I actually don't enjoy that. Yeah, no, you don't know until you know. And when you know, like you can't get away from it. Yeah. It's like, uh-oh. So you, you live and you learn. So in some ways, that day was like the worst day uh, for that ever happening. But it was also great because it never happened again after that. We we hit the limit, we found it, and we came back from it. And we didn't let that become the norm. Yeah. So, you know, and it takes a lot of um, takes a lot of discipline to be able to then, you know, maintain that because it's uh, it's not it's not easy. Um, but you know, it's yeah. How do you know what you can take until you've kind of tested it? You know, you don't know where the boundaries are. Um, you're and especially on tour, you're just excited. You know, you just want to do the, you just want to do great shows. You're just having the time of your life. We were young, uh, you know, 2012. I was that was what that was eight years ago. So I was like, what? I was 20. Like you know, I didn't know shit. <laughs> I was I was just going for it. Part of my part of my friends. Oh no, we can say shit in the show. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm gonna power through some of uh, some of the comments. Um, I saw uh, Joy pointed out what uh, the acronym for SMART was: specific, attainable, measurable, relevant, and timely. Yeah, that was that was the one. There are a bunch of um, a bunch of different versions uh, of it. Um, uh, you know, trackable was one of the ones, but timely. Uh, yeah, that would. Definitely, yeah, but that that works. You know, specific that you know what the goal is, attainable that it's not outside of your means at this point. Measurable that's measurable that you can uh, that you can measure it. Mm-hmm. So you film yourself and you, and you measure your progress, or you or you look at the data if it's a PR thing for for your fans, or if it's uh, measuring how good you feel about it. You you need to measure it somehow. You can't just we're we're poor data keeping devices, as Neil deGrasse Tyson says. You know, like. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and yeah, I love I love listening to people like him talk. Um, yeah, relevant that it makes sense and timely that it has it has a it has an endpoint, and that's where that five year thing sounds like you could have a smart an SMART goal for five years. But as far as I'm concerned, that should always just be like, am I still having a good time doing this? Because if I'm not, five years out of a life, you don't know how long the life's going to be. Yeah. You only get the one. Arguably, depends how much. Um, you know, I'm not going to go there, but you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> Dep- depends on the background, but yeah. <laughs> Just, uh, but, um, uh, answering yeah. Uh, that was uh, that was an answer to Palash's uh, comment, and he says some uh, some great reminders and a lot to reflect on. Thank you, big bros. I'm fortunate to get it straight from the players. 
Uh, I'm going to practice right away. Have a blessed evening. Thank you so much, Palash, for, for tuning in. And I'm stoked to hear what, uh, what you come up with, man. Uh, send us some links and send us uh, some, um, some videos to check out once, uh, once you're done with that. For real, for real. Uh, Karim with a comment here saying, uh, a long comment. <laughs> Mike, uh, what's your take on everything sounding the same nowadays, uh, given the uh, bedroom studio mentality using the same sims, production presets, drum samples, etc.? Uh, do you think bands are getting lazy trying to pump music fast for a quick buck given that it, it th given that it's so easy to make songs is everything literally sounding the same nowadays uh, furthermore do you think some bands are trying too hard in quotes to sound unique with ridiculous alien sound effects and whatnot uh, do you know what i mean is there a medium between sounding the same and sounding really really different uh, do you know where I'm going uh, This question with this question? But yeah, P.S. your snare is an, on another level. Cheers from Karim. Absolute legend. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of points in there. I'll bash through them real quick from, from my perspective. It's only my perspective, but the tools, if you use the same tools, if you use the same process, then you're going to have the same outcome. And one of, the, one of the downsides to YouTube and the rest of it is when you have people saying, this is how I do my thing. These are my templates. This is how I do it. People don't know how to get that sound at all. So they then copy the templates and then what they make sounds exactly the same. Um, so learning how to do these things from other people is great. I completely endorse it. But you know, consider doing something that no one's told you to do. Consider trying something that is completely different um, because you're going to get somewhere different different with it and that you know should in my mind always be the goal unless you're trying you have a brief to sound exactly like someone else which sometimes a job or a, a goal uh desires you know you might want to like i did a lamb of god cover i wanted to sound just like chris adler so i tuned my snare the same and i asked the, mis the mix engineer if i was mixing myself i would have mixed it in the same way but you know i like i had that process from start to finish so um you know, and I'm becoming more and more adaptable. But uh, I think if you're going to be part of a community, especially something like URM or Control Room by Ramesh Dodangora, or which I'm a big advocate for, I've learned so much from that group. Um, then to take all that uh, advice, but make it your own always. Um, but uh, and then to to kind of go, it, do I think bands are getting lazy? It uh, trying to make pump music fast for a quick buck? I don't know. I think yes, but I don't think that that's getting them anywhere because no one's going to be really listening to it. anything that anyone uh sorry to cut you off i also don't necessarily think the quick buck is um the the, <laughs> the incentive uh, i think nah. i think maybe uh more of the buzz maybe a quick buzz uh, but i don't think anyone's uh, gotten the quick buck out of churning out uh, more music on uh, on a regular well, the long play doesn't give doesn't work the same way that it used to. An album doesn't give you a longevity of excitement like it used to. So you are more likely to get the get a better a better constant uh, activity, which is good for both the brand and you and and for and from all, all perspectives. Um, it's better that you've always got something that's fresh. So just putting out singles, I think that's not being lazy. I think it's being very smart. I'm all about that single mentality. Lots of people have been. I'm now feeling like, you know, stick to putting out songs regularly and not having to make an entire huge you know, 45, 60 minute body of work to then put it out while you're working on the next one. And then there's this big lull in between, you know, touring, between it doesn't support it, but, well, you can't at all, but it already wasn't doing a great job of supporting it as it was um, because there's just nowhere near as much money in that. So yeah, bands pump out 
merch items to to make money you know and sometimes they need to make the money to make a great record you know so um it's it's a bit too um too wise of a thing a, a wide of a thing but um yeah trying too hard to sound ridiculous with weird sound effects i could relate very much to making a really tasteless joke for shock value because you really want people to laugh at your jokes and it's like and we all know what that feels like. I, I, I mean, I imagine everyone else knows what it is like to be the person making the shock joke. I used to a lot when I was younger. Um, and, and what it is like to know that someone's just there and just said something shocking and weird to, to get a quick reaction. You know, it works, but it's also like it's it's uh, shallow and it, and it doesn't engage. And you can't get engagement by being shallow like that. You can't. Um, and it comes from lots of different places, I'm sure. But um, yeah, a lot of the times these, you know, it's one of the things I don't really dig about like beat down and like breakdown oriented metal because I feel like most of the time it's all it's just an excuse for people to get really violent in the pit as well. They just want like, like something to get loud and mad about. And I feel like if that lacks the positive nuance and the um, the self betterment and the betterment of others, it can quite easily just become just a, a boxing match with loud sounds. And that's that's not my game. It's, it doesn't that doesn't tick the correct. And, box and I feel those me. things uh, just the shock factor of it doesn't have longevity, even if it attracts me for a second. Uh, I'll never, I'll never buy the album and play it in the car. You know what I mean? It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't have that kind of grab for me personally. Mm. Yeah, no, it, it, and it won't grab anyone else because it's not designed to grab. It's a diff It's the wrong process for that for that desired outcome. It's like, um, yeah. it's like ordering pizza and getting mad that you didn't get fresh fruit, or you know, uh, uh, eating a loaf of bread and being mad that you're constipated. It's like, doesn't make any sense. It, you didn't do the correct thing to, to, to get to that point. And it's not obvious. This is why I like to talk about it because it's like, it's so easy to get caught up in the getting there um, and how to and feeling like it's not going okay and not going the way that you want it that like, you're like, well, how do I get it there? Um, yeah. That's um I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna pass through some more comments. Andy says Mike, yeah, Andy says, Mike always well. uh, blows us away with his live performances. It's a whole new puzzle to build uh, Mal Mali fans. <laughs> Malian fans. <laughs> That's my tribe name I kind of came up with um, it mainly because I wanted uh, to make a role for everyone who joined my discord so they all so I can say hey Mally fans and it just it feels silly to say but I, I like it you know it's it's kind of cute it, but, it yeah. works it works Mally fans is, is awesome and um, so discord is uh, is uh, your uh, tribe from uh, from the twitch streams and from the YouTube uh, channel um, where they can have discussions and uh, tell us a little bit about the discord channel and how that works for you exactly well basically it's just a wonderful place it's called the malian zone and what it is is just a really fun place where i've made lots of channels that kind of um that they kind of like uh they they have um sorry i'll back up a bit they there's like I've made channels to talk about things that are of interest to me as well. So there's like, um, there's a music thing where people could show, there's called show your work. And that's not just for musicians, but that's for anyone like, Hey, look what I did. And people can go, Holy crap, that's cool. And my hope is also that it's like a, a communal workspace. Sometimes I'm doing a job in there and I just stream within that server. Cause Discord's great for voice and video, uh, for communal voice and video as well as communal text and, and media sharing. So, um, 
yeah, I love to uh, to see what other people are up to and potentially give them critique. There's then a music discussion area. Then there's then a drummer's discussion. Then there's a bunch of hangout spaces, like talking about the food that we're making. So I no longer post my my food that I cook on Instagram. I post it in my foodies uh, place in in Discord, and mm -hmm. other people are posting their meals. And we're actually like helping each other to look after each other a bit better because we post this really sick, healthy meal we just made. And may I've seen someone do that for themselves, and I'm like, well, I. I was just going to eat a loaf of bread, but now I think I'm going to have a salad. It's like it's like inspiring each other, helping out. There's another channel for like DIY, um, you know, talking about the things that you've kind of made and just connecting over these uh, over these things. I'm going to post a link to that Discord in the comments right now, yeah, so you I'll, can. Uh, if you... I'll give it a pen in the comments as well for for um, everyone that's um, uh, interested in joining and checking it out. Um, I think it's uh, it's a great place. There yeah, it's it, cool, man. In the comments for everyone there. Thank you so much, Adnan. I really appreciate it. It's um, it's good because it ties to the Twitch um as well, and I just I just promote it everywhere. But it's you know because it's about the community, not about me. But it's also a great place to get announcements for what I'm for where I'm doing stuff. I don't you know the the algorithms of all of these social media platforms they don't always let you see what you want to see. Yeah. And I know that people follow me because they want my updates. So it's like. If they want, if you want the best updates and and behind the scenes and uh, sneak previews of the videos before they come out and stuff and uh, you know a new level of engagement with what I'm doing and that's the place for it. So this is uh, this is exactly the place for uh, one of the comments. Tristan French uh, says monuments are a huge influence on my uh, on our band. Caught you guys when you last played the Dome in London. Hope you're well. Uh, Tristan is oh, the uh, vocalist yeah. for uh, Ugly Yeti uh, over in London. Oh. Nice. I haven't heard the band, but I mean, a fellow vocalist, a fellow musician is always as welcome as the next man. But it's, it's great to have. But yeah, you played the last show Monuments ever did. You came. That was the last show we did of the tour. We had an after party afterwards in uh, around the corner from the venue, I think. Was it? No, no, it wasn't. Shit. No, the Dome, the Dome wasn't on the last tour. The Dome was on... A tour I didn't play actually. Um, I wasn't in the band at the time. I was at the show. I was in. I was at front of house sitting down because I I was just about to have surgery or I just had surgery. One of the two. I think I just had surgery. Yes, two three weeks after I had surgery, and I watched it, and I was like, man, it's so good to see the band again. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I, uh, I'm glad. I'm glad you were there. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, it was. I, I loved watching it. It re-engaged my love of the band and the positivity within the band. It, uh, the band had come a long way since when I'd left. When it was, it was a very difficult atmosphere. But the whole band had taken a few years off and gotten back to it. And it was what started the ball rolling and making me think, like, I think I could do this again one day. Yeah, that's. Uh, I can't. I, I've never had to do it, but I can. Uh, I can imagine the mix of emotions uh, sitting out watching the band you were in uh, perform, yeah. it, 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 it must be a, a kind of a clusterfuck. Yeah, well, I'd seen them play uh, back in 2016 when I was in Disperse, but I couldn't play. Oh, no, I actually wasn't in Disperse. I can't remember why me and Kay went out and, and saw that festival uh, in, um, ah, shit, where was it? It was on the, um, the western border of Poland, and we went and saw a show which both Monuments and Disperse played. And I wasn't even thinking about joining Disperse at the time. I think we were just, we were just kind of in the area because uh, Caroline is from Poland, and at the time was living there. I think so. We just took a trip to go see that gig, and it was, um, and it was, uh, yeah, it was super fun. 
Uh, more comments. Um, Andy saying, hi, Adnan, how's it going? Thanks uh, for having Mike on the show. Uh, shout out to you, Andy. Thank you for, for tuning in. And uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I've, I've been um, uh, planning to have uh, Mike on the show. So I think I texted you the like episode 10. I was like, hey, man, I have this thing. Uh, let's <laughs> try to figure out if you have time. And then I took a break from the show and and uh, but oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm stoked to have him on. It's um, it's good to have conversations. And I, I what I love about the tribe is a lot of the people tuning in uh, to the audio or to the live are either in the creative field or want to be in the creative field to some degree, be it film or music. And I think um, there's a I know a lot of people that have a lot of experience uh, that that can share all these insights. Like Mike has been uh, generously with uh, with all his experience and stuff. So it's it's very cool to have. Uh, people like uh, like him on the show and uh, thank you guys for for all uh, all for tuning in uh, Mike Angelo's yeah. in the house he says hey tribe late as usual shout out to Mike Angelo uh, tuning in from Canada uh, Michael Asmar saying playing in one band is like being in a relationship with four or five people which is hard enough how difficult is playing with many bands at the same period and how hard is it to navigate the band's power structure well I mean, that is, I mean, the power structure thing is its own thing. Um, the hierarchy of who does what and um, and how how decisions get made is unique to every band. Um, some bands have people that are hired in to help make those decisions, which is usually a great idea because it means that you don't infight when it comes to things. You know, you've got someone who has your, your vision in mind and usually someone who understands the marketing of the whole process knows how to make that happen in a better way than any of you do and you kind of trust them to do it that's that's ultimate but um you know monuments at this time is a self-managed entity and yeah we disagree on some stuff sometimes but you know we uh but we trust each other as well so we have a healthy thing some bands don't have such a healthy thing going on but um yeah it very much is like um in a way it's like being in a relationship with multiple people but with that being said there are there are different kinds of relationships um and there are different kinds of relationship problems and one big problem bands deal with is um wanting something out of it that isn't um that isn't necessarily the best thing you know uh, some guys only want one thing from their partner some girls as well or non-binaries or whatever uh, some people want something out of the band that they care more about that than the actual well-being of the other members they might not trust them they're just doing it to be big uh, to tick a sort of sociological success in their mind or whatever it's a bit like um you know, if that stuff exists, then it's incredibly difficult. And if that stuff does exist, better to get out of it. That's one of the reasons why I was the first drummer to leave the heart machine when I was 16. I was the first one to pl first one to join, first one to leave. Uh, I would do it. You know, I wouldn't go back. Uh, being offered to go back, never would. There, uh, there's yeah. been uh, the, the reputation precedes that band. I think there's. Uh, it's it's at the core. It's at the core. Um, I don't I don't vibe with the way that it's run and I don't vibe with the way that the person who who runs it at all um and no uh I'm 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 not one really to to like you know spread bad vibes or whatever but I'm just kind of glad that I know that what's okay and what isn't and that I was grounded enough to to know that at an early age and get out well get out early before things you know 
you know, got got too bad. But I can't think of many re- many times when that's gone wrong. Okay, it's happened in monuments with vocalists and stuff. But you know, it's like we don't want to be full of drama. I watch my soap operas on TV for a reason. I don't want it to be in my main life. I like keep that keep that in the fake world and try to just deal with things. But you know, shit happens. You know, like um, uh, it's 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 hard sometimes. But a lot of the time when I'm in these other bands, in these other bands, I'm not like in them. I'm the session guy. So it's like I'm there to do a service, and if I'm going to do a five star service, I'm probably going to be a yes guy. I'm going to be like, yes, I will make that happen for you if I can. And if it's not asking too much of me, it's like it's not the same as I'm in this band. This represents my identity, and I will not allow this, or I w- I do want that, or whatever. Like you know that you can only really do one of those truly at once. I feel uh, I don't know. I am I always do a few at once, but um, it's a uh, yeah, I think it's it's unique to every situation. But as long as you're aware of these things and you know when to say no to things, um, when you when things don't smell right, and I think that's, you trust that's the hardest thing, especially when you're in uh, upward trajectory in any situation, uh, whether it's a band or, or any situation where you feel like it might be working uh, in terms of like the overall. Uh, uh, you know, general arc of, of, of the band or the, or the company or whatever it is, and to also smell the bullshit and say, actually, I'm just going to bail before before it gets worse. Because in that moment, especially you were saying you're 16, in that moment in time, y- you could just get like, you know, pulled into it and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and would have had a much life. more drastic kind of uh, getting out later. Fully. If I didn't have other great things in my life and good grounding and good upbringing and uh, you know loving parents and a good support structure, uh, yeah, I might not have had anything else, and I might have just not cared. Then again, I might have not been like a, a decent person in the first place because of any of that. So it doesn't doesn't really matter. I can't really say it wasn't wasn't the life I was living at that time. But um, yeah, no, I just prefer to be around people who want what's best for who's around them i kind of smell you know don't don't put yourself through shit to get somewhere because you're just going to end up smelling bad <laughs> if you do that like, again processing out every on time point with the analogies today <laughs> I, I i i work in that way i'm very like i think musicians tend to uh very visual and imaginative and um you know like a creative unconscious brain uh, it talks through um, metaphor and analogy and visualization, and I, I try to I try to keep more in touch with that than I do into, you know, list based and uh, conscious mentality because I don't think my conscious brain's anywhere near as good at this shit as. <laughs> I I love analogy. I I always fuck them up on the show though. Every time I try to like just meat and tomatoes instead of meat and potatoes, I just I I'm almost there. I just I always get them just off. So there's a there's a term for that. It's um they call it a mixed idiom. There's a website for mixed idioms, but there's also a thing called a malafor, which I love because that's like a malifor. So I've got like a bit of a Facebook series going on, and there's so many great ones. I mean, there's a classic like oh, we'll burn that bridge when we get to it. Um, you know, throw your trams out the pram is one I say. I just it's dyslexia like at at its best. I'm quite dyslexic. Uh, like I suck at like reading and like i have the handwriting of a five-year-old it's ridiculous i just i i need digital tools that have helped me so much um but uh yeah like i I make all those same kind of mistakes all the time like beta as well like andy kept pointing out you know but own your mistakes you know call it unmuted you know be okay with the fact 
we're not perfect because it makes other people feel a little bit less pressured as well. 100%. 100%. Uh, Brendan's asking, um, what are your thoughts on the future of the music industry? Also, uh, given that COVID is in the works. This is, uh, this is a hefty one. I don't know, man. Like, I'm not a, I'm not a, I can't read the future. I wouldn't go booking any tours in 2021. I probably wouldn't go booking any tours in 2022. I don't know what venues are even going to be around at that time. I don't know what it, I don't know what the, what the world's going to look like. And I don't want to be the first to find out. I'm all about, um, putting on ticketed online shows that have no audience where you can control uh you you can control the environment and everyone's traceable and it's not like i think shows could be mayhem i think people could get hurt or killed i think people could stampede if they get scared i think i i, I just don't trust that it's good for people to to get to congregate and i wish i had more faith in people but i do love the look of these um some of these shows that have been happening, you know, drive-ins, they, they kind of work uh, where everyone has their own little area, like fenced little areas where they can be with their little tribe, their little group. And I think there's loads of positives to that because they can hang out with their friends that they will do their, t their track and trace with within that group. But they can also have beer and food delivered to their table. It's like table service at a gig. Like that's amazing. Like I think that's some, like really good in an outdoor environment. Uh, that just don't don't work very well in England. We yeah. don't have such good weather. Uh, Ginger, um, I, I don't know if you've seen uh, Ginger, the band from uh, Ukraine, I believe, has been uh, uh, on tour already, and uh, they did Germany, uh, Poland, really? and, and a couple other places. They did some sit down uh, shows where it was like you were saying, you know, groups of ten on tables. Uh, they did one yeah. where it was uh, standing, but you're only allowed to stand in a designated box it was very interesting mm. to see them uh, take that first step and uh, be one of the first bands that i uh follow or or know uh, that uh, mm. that have uh, that have taken that leap into into touring right away yeah i didn't even know they'd done that um i mean respect for for those who are going to be on the front line and find out how does it work um and all this all the best for their safety and i wish them all the best in doing it and i and i appreciate they did get them. a lot of uh, a lot of uh you know uh concern and I, and uh, blowback and a lot of people were uh criticizing them for you know going out on tour is is one thing but you're also endangering all the people that come out and uh, they had to release a statement saying, listen, we're working within like, you know, each company's uh, guidelines and all that stuff. It's, it's, a, it's all a gray area, man. It's really strange. Yeah, yeah I don't want to be the one to work out that, how to do that again. As sad as I am that it's not happening. Um, you know, I like, you know, but there's, there's, there's going to be, it's going to be whole new things. I want to put on Twitch based gigs. I want to have like uh, I want to have a show with uh, like a bunch. Of, it was actually an idea that uh, another streamer, Mr. Greggles, he pitched to me. He wanted to book out a nightclub and have a show all of his own, uh, and I could just imagine how sick that would be. You know, take requests that you can jukebox with him at the gig. You know, like and you know, it's like you you can request those songs in advance, or you could request them right there and then, and be part of the show, and everyone could be part of the chat while they're all hanging out. Like it's just. Like it's a mental idea. That's going to be amazing when that happens. And I really want to be part of that with him. I'm trying to. I've done my first like live dual stream where it was me and another drummer friend of mine. We both we rented out a room and very safely we put on a show, uh, and it was super hard work. But it was great. And we're gonna. I'm gonna do more of that stuff. I don't know when, but I am. And uh, that will shape it. Um, it'll never be the same. 
none of us will ever be the same. This is this is life changing shit. And yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll get there. But we'll get there. Let's, I can't. I can't. I don't know. Uh, let's tell people about uh, about Twitch for a bit. Um, where can they? How can they find you on Twitch? And uh, because a lot of people, um, at least the, the ones I know in the Middle East, are very new to Twitch. Uh, the oh, right. the platform in general hasn't uh, hasn't uh, popped off here as as much as it has elsewhere in the world. So um, uh, a lot of a lot of brand new accounts are starting to pop up now, especially after uh, the quarantine stuff. So how how can people find you and uh, and what to expect well, it, from from the channel? But you can see in the comments, I've just popped that in there now. That's um, the link to my Twitch account. Um, so what Twitch is? It's a place where people can stream live shows, like unmuted. This could be happening on a Twitch page right now, and then it's there is a kind of uh, it has its own vibe that's very different to Facebook in that um, it's all about what's happening right now. So you've got gamers, musicians, artists, uh, painters, all sorts of people are doing stuff in that moment and they're engaging with chat like we're doing now. We're answering your questions, pardon me, your questions as they happen. Like I play people's requests, songs I've never heard before. I even let people put their own music up and I'll play their songs, um, you know, and I'll jam along to whatever I can jam along to. And I love the challenge of playing something that's really difficult. I do yeet songs that are too difficult for me to work out and it's just watching me struggle is not fun for me or anyone. So like, um, you know, I sometimes like skip over a track like that and I don't allow anything with any hate, but most of the time I'm just playing other stuff, but I sometimes do other things. I write music live. I just wrote a track on Saturday, which is coming out on this Saturday. I wrote a track live on Twitch in six hours of total streaming. And I even got chat involved in a, in a number generating thing to start the song off. I got them to give me, um, I got them to give me a bunch of numbers and I built the rhythm of a riff around those numbers oh, kinda, as a joke. Um, and it was wicked. Like it just was so much fun. Sometimes they'd give me an idea or two. I'd throw it in. I'd, you know, like it was, it was wicked. And it meant that I was like culpable in that moment. Like I had to make something because they were watching me and I did it and, and I finished it in one evening in one day. And then I recorded the drums to it on Monday and it will go out on the Euroblast homecoming stream. The Euroblast mm. festival is having a live stream. Um, event on uh, on Saturday, but yeah, Tuesdays and Fridays at 7 p.m. BST, like British time. That's when uh, at 7 p.m. till 10 p.m. roughly, I stream uh, twice a week at the moment. Um, and yeah, we just like to hang out. We like to, you know, I like to play everyone's requests, and um, you can even press a button and fart on stream if you want to. I was it's just like, about to say, Andy's uh, Andy's saying, uh, but we can make fart noises happen on stream on Twitch. So rules. Uh, Caroline is saying even the British government has its own Twitch account. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool. So it, and it's owned by Amazon, so that's how it kind of works. So with an Amazon Prime membership, you can you can subscribe to streamers uh, for a paid for like uh, the base the base level is like five dollars mm -hmm. per month. And um, and then that money is split between Twitch and the streamer, um, so that money supports the streamer directly, and we can give special things to to subscribers as well. There's also a currency built into Twitch called Bits. You buy you can buy Bits, and then you can then gift them to to streamers, and you can do cool things with Bits. The the sound alerts that I use on Blurp um, is the extension. For 50 bits, you can make one of these sounds happen. One of them's like a goat scream, you know, like, <laughs> you know, that crazy scream happens. Like, people could, and people do them at the best times. I've got a sub drop, um, the sub drop, the fart. Um, 
Patrick Stewart saying "Shut up, Wesley" from Star Trek, which always happens when a guy called Wesley, a guy called Wes, comes into the chat, and someone always puts puts that sound out "Shut up, Wesley." It happens every every time, like pretty much like twice a week. It's it, it's hilarious. It's actually hilarious. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out. Uh, I've I've checked it out uh, a few times when uh, when you'd go live. And um, awesome. I I just made an account uh, for for both unmuted and and myself to to start to like try dabble with the with the Twitch world. I saw Hadi said Dean is also uh, start streaming yeah. and, and a whole a bunch of other people here start streaming. So I'm curious yeah, if man, um, do this show on Facebook and Twitch at the same time as well. Um, although Twitch has when you're an affiliate with Twitch, there is like a rule that you can only there's an exclusivity policy. So you can only stream in one place at a time. But I have seen, I've, I've personally uh, streamed before to Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube at the same time before I realized that about the terms and conditions. So I stopped stopped doing that that often. But um, what I like to do is like a pre-stream on Facebook because more people are watching there. Mm-hmm. More people can come on. And then I've just said, hey, come over to Twitch. We're starting now. You know, and and the conversion rate's great. It's but people don't know that it's happening, and it's all about. I, it was new to me a few months ago, so it's um, yeah. it's difficult to keep up with all the new technology. But like, it is the future. It is it is the place to be. It gives you that social vibe. It makes us all feel like we're at something. I love hanging out with my friends who are streaming. I love I love just being part of their show and part of their lives in a real way and we're all hanging out together it's a, it's so good man i i it's been saving me honestly yeah this um uh, my facebook page the, the reason it's not called unmuted it's called that then it's because i used to do these vlogs back in the day i i've done a bunch of other shit uh, along the way um outside of uh, outside of the band and uh, some of the people in the tribe have been with me since i was vlogging like the days before i met my wife you know like uh six year seven year uh journey where they they just come along and have continued with uh with me on the uh, on the podcast and stuff like that and um even when we uh we were pregnant we give birth to the kiddo and um we i am taking credit for it she did a lot <laughs> all the work i didn't do anything but um but yeah it's it's crazy to me like that community that tribe that's something that's very important to me and uh, just out of curiosity, for everyone, uh, whether you're watching it live or, or listening to it after the fact, if uh, if unmuted was uh, to to start streaming on Twitch, how many how many people uh, have a Twitch account uh, listening to this, or um, or are you interested in, in making a Twitch account and trying to uh, watch the show when it's uh, live over on on Twitch? If uh, if you're not tuning in live and you're listening to this after the fact, uh, just send us a message or, or leave it in the comments. Uh, in, uh, on Instagram or uh, or Facebook, I'd, I'd love Heck to yeah. know. Also, if you're watching afterwards, um, uh, at this point, I'm just about to hit 1,700 followers, and I have a goal. Every time I hit 500 up at the moment, I'm doing a new thing. So for 1,500, I played the Emanuensis in full. For 2,000, I'm going to play the Monuments album Gnosis start to finish. I'll probably it won't be the last time I do the album start to finish, but that's kind of the incentive to, get, to kind of get on board as the channel grows. Everyone gets to enjoy like a, a show like that. But um, I just saw in the, in the comments as well, like um, uh, Tristan's love letter to monuments and the song Lazarus. Yeah. I really appreciate for that. Um, Manav asking how we met Andy. Um, actually that was, that was Ollie and Swanee. I think they saw him on YouTube. He was out there. He was putting himself out there. High quality stuff, really high quality stuff all the time and pushing the boundaries. 
Um, following a lot of what we were talking about earlier, um, if you're just tuning in, then do check out the uh, the audio that will come out tomorrow so that you can hear some of these tips and this good stuff that we were talking about because it's really important for that. But yeah, he was really pushing the envelope and he always wanted to be in a metal band like Monument, so it was perfect. And he's such a good influence in the band. He's such, such good vibes. Just, um, just super, super good stuff. Like... Um, it was great to have it. And thanks, Manav, as well, for being there in Bangalore. It's um, so, so sick. Really, really appreciate you being there. That Bangalore show was wonderful. And me playing in Mumbai, the show before that, was my first gig back in Monuments. So to be doing those shows for the first time. And Bangalore was like my first open air show back, my second gig back with the, with the band. So um, That's a big swing yeah. for, for, for a welcome back. Oh, yeah. And I'm so glad it happened before COVID hit. Yeah. I got friends who hadn't done their biggest thing yet. And their, the, the big thing then got kind of then got kind of like um, yeeted. And that really sucks because yeah. they didn't get to do any of it. At least we got to do some shows. You know. Uh, yeah. Pinky saying Switzerland is doing shows too. Uh, mm -hmm. While we were talking about uh, Ginger uh, touring. I think Ginger did Switzerland as well. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. Um, it can be done sensibly. It's just, uh, it's difficult. Uh, Andy saying there, uh, sorry, I read that one. Uh, I have a stream of friends with uh, unmuted in their names for the same reason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Andy says, I'd support you. Shout out to, to Andy. Thank you, man. Um, uh. uh, Mehdi is in the house. He says, I need to make a Twitch account. Uh, uh, DJ Cobra here from Michelangelo. <laughs> DJ, uh, DJ Cobra, we have um. So what we did on uh, on the unmuted Discord is we made a um, a voice channel and found a bot uh, and and with different roles. I didn't do any of this. One of the guys on on the Discord did it. So you can oh. you can give a badge, the DJ badge, to someone uh, every night differently, and then everyone can oh. tune in to whatever the DJ is playing. So it's like this virtual. A party where where everyone uh, DJs and uh, Mike Angelo's, uh, aka DJ Cobra, over on Discord. <laughs> That's amazing, man. Uh, Twitch is a way better platform than Facebook. I agree, I agree. But um, I I, I don't know. Like I said, it's just that the the tribe is here. Like the the people that have have always been uh, been around are here, and I uh, I just have that. Uh, what is it called? Abandonment issues and detachment issues and all that stuff. I'm just worried. <laughs> it's difficult, um, but the conversion has always worked. Whenever I've done this, like multiple platform pre-stream, I use a service called Restream.io yeah. for that. It's great for um, you know. You could even run the show entirely in that. We could be guests just using the Restream uh, browser-based uh, system. If you can get your like OBS or whatever into there, I've uh, I've actually done a, a YouTube tutorial on that on my YouTube channel. So you can even. Um, you could even like have a look at how to do that with with a bunch of advanced audio stuff built into it. Speaking um, of, uh, <laughs> of sorry to cut you off. Speaking of your YouTube channel, because I want people to check that out, because your YouTube channel is one of the reasons I um, I kind of set up this podcast station. This is the today's episode is a little different, but I kind of set up the podcast station in a way where everything was modular and uh, and uh, able to move and and kind of adapt depending on. Um, you know, the guest or what I'm doing, whether I'm editing or not, whether it's going to be a podcast in person. Uh, I watched one of um, one of your uh, setup tutorials. It wasn't a tutorial. It was kind of like a walkthrough where you showed, you know, your desk and the wheels and uh, how to move things yeah, up and really down. 
about like all this stuff being on wheels and stuff. hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. So uh, I, I, actually my desk is, is one of those that goes up and down and uh, is on wheels now because of that video. Hey, that's amazing, dude. Yeah, like being able to sit, stand it down and then make it wheeled. You know, sometimes I'll be firing down the long way on the room when I really need to mix something important. But lately I have, now that the video studio has taken a step up, I, I'm scared to move things because I've got too many cables all over the place. I need to go back, rethink my power, um, rethink my HDMI solutions and everything. It's, uh, it's crazy. But yeah, um, definitely watch that if you want to see how to make a small space work for multiple different modular uh, combinations. I'm so glad to hear it's helped you, Adnan. So definitely check it that out. Has, on yeah, and I think for for just anyone in the, in the creative field in general, it's uh, it's a cool insight. Even if it's not necessarily exactly what you're doing, I always watch these things and pick up random little things, uh, just like the wheels. You know what I mean? Like uh, uh, not necessarily the the audio interface and exactly how the compression works but just something as simple as that completely changed my uh, my setup as well so it's very very cool to see I'm so glad I did the b-roll at the, at the wheels now <laughs> i remember doing it like who the is gonna care about these wheels like who's gonna really care I'm, someone cared i'm so thankful I, I, someone halfway cared. across the world man i i changed my setup because of it yeah man what's up uh I, I, my pronunciation is not quite quite on. I see. Wajiha, what's up, Wajiha? Thank you for tuning in. Um, uh, Wajiha is also uh, on our Discord. She uh, she's also a DJ. Uh, oh, amazing! She she brings out the old school tunes. Nice. Uh, uh, Brendan's asking you any new monuments in the works? Yeah, we're uh, we're working on tracks all the time. Um, there's a demo that I put out on my SoundCloud. I know I'm I'm just saying like all this that I did on this platform, all this I did on that platform. But like, um, yeah, I put out a demo called Odin, which was like the first thing I wrote with this programmed guitar software called uh, Odin, like a MIDI guitar and like an eight string guitar thing with lots of um, articulations that you can switch between palm mutes, slides and harmonics and stuff. Uh, such a sick sounding thing. And the first thing I wrote in Odin, I called Odin and I put it up on my SoundCloud. And uh, Ollie has been learning it for months. Uh, it's really difficult because I made it way too hard. Um, so that's that's like a long game, but um, the guys love the sound of the music I'm making when I do my keyboard-based guitar. It's like pushing them in a new way, so they're fine with that kind of shaping a new sound of the band. Um, uh, there's another track that we're working on at the moment. We're actually quite far along with that, but we haven't really been talking about it because, you know, uh, it's hard to set deadlines and to schedule things nowadays. So we just sort of do things as and when we can all do them. I think we're at the base tracking stage of that. We're, we're quite close to like fully tracked and ready to mix. Um, does it have face palm mutes? It does. <laughs> I think it has some face palm mutes. Um, it, it's a sick track. And Andy, once again, has just blown us away with his tracking, his self-produced drums. It's the first time a Monuments track will come out with drums recorded in here. Well, that was scary because it's a tiny room, but uh, I've been working on some tracks with the same mix engineer who'd be doing that. And he said, like, yeah, he's made worse drums sound fine for major label stuff and no one's ever asked any questions. So it's, uh, it's a very big misconception that like, you have to be in a big room to make it work well. Um, and that's another reason why I did that studio tour. And a, a big thing I'm going to be constantly talking about on my YouTube that I have a bunch of videos planned for is how to make a, a less than ideal situation work in a competitive way because you know drums are hard to make sound good man like do you like feel I like needed you that. found yeah. uh, that that kind of um those videos and and those uh any of that kind of help online because i i always feel like that 
it's still missing. Like the, the COVID era tutorials of how to make stuff sound good at home uh, started, but it, there's so much room. Everyone can grow so much now. Just uh, as, as simple as like, how do you EQ a podcast mic? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's a lot out there that I found, actually. The more I started looking for it, I recently saw some guy's video. I can't remember which channel it was, but he was talking about making a room reverb out of two trash cans. And he put them together, and then he put mics facing the the like the membranes either end of the trash cans. And the reverb from this kit just sounded like he was in like a huge, like not a huge room, but a well-sized, lively room. I was like, eh? That's insane. Um... My, how many mics on the kit now? Still 16. Uh, I have 20 channels, but I'm out of XLRs and mic stands. I have mics, but I don't have the the, the cables or stands yet, but they're coming. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely want to help in that regard because, um, you know, helping drummers to nail it. At the moment, there's a lot more how to do it in a good studio with the great mics and with the great acoustics than there is how to make a bad acoustic work. But I only just feel like I started to nail that recently. I haven't felt like I was making stuff that sounded good enough until now I really feel like confident with it like properly uh, Mike Angelo in the comments asking Khalid I, I assume uh, you're talking about Khalid Tamimi Mike uh, who's, who's a drummer here in the UAE and uh, he did text me uh, just before we went live saying that he's gonna he's gonna check out uh, the podcast uh, after it's done he, he wasn't able to tune in live I assume that's what you're talking about let me know if that's it yeah, maybe it's uh, maybe maybe it's but that's awesome. I mean, anyone who wants to check out and see it is it's so great, and I think it's great that you're that you're doing this. Like, for, for anyone who's like helping host and share each other artists and um, keep the conversation alive, you know, and keep us all all engaged, you know. Absolutely, man. That's kind of when it started. I was just sitting around in, in lockdown. And I was like, I have all these creative friends. I have all these people that um, that I that I've met along the way that I could just just ask. Hey, man, how did you? Tell, tell us a little bit about your journey. How do you feel about this kind of stuff? And uh, just shed some light on uh, on on uh, a lot of the creative people out there because uh, especially, I don't, I don't know if I keep bringing it back to the Middle East, but it's just because we grew up here in a place where that, that conversation doesn't really happen that often um, for a lot of the people, especially the next generation. They, they don't get uh, to, to, you know, see a lot of... Um, the, the stories, whether it's up or down, it's not necessarily just the, uh, you know, the, the successes and stuff. Um, but yeah, I just, I just thought we'll hit some people up and have, have cool conversations about it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's wonderful. It's very new. And it, I mean, it's been happening for a while, but it's, it's great that this is kind of part of the new normal. It's one of yeah. the good things about it for sure. So kudos to you for putting in the time and making it happen as well. Thank you, man. And thank you for uh, for being here. I have I have one last question I want to ask you. This is the way we end uh, every every episode. Um, and I'm curious to hear uh, hear your take on it. Um, mm -hmm. I say, if you had a time machine and you mm -hmm. were to go back in time and talk to young Mike just before uh, the heart machine, just before uh, drums uh, kicked off uh, in, in that way for you, um, and you were to give young Mike one piece, piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Unquestionably, it would be to look after himself better, um, to actually learn how to stretch and warm up and warm down and to make sure he stayed hydrated and, um, you know, maybe to, maybe to party a little bit less, but then young Mike would have been like, shut up, dad. And then that would have been the end of it. So no, but I wish I could have avoided uh, a really hard 
a period of my life. I have grown uh, and become. I definitely feel like. Like, I don't want to say, like, you know, I became a man because I was always, like, a man. But I, re I really matured. I really uh, learned the important things. I stopped running from home and I learned the importance of, of maintaining your home. Um, I started looking for that in people I would work with, make sure they weren't just running from things all the time. Um, but I do feel like it was a good character arc. And, uh, and I definitely feel better at this point. I just wish I hadn't had to have missed out so many prime years but at the same time um you know it was a it was a beautiful time as well because uh my wife really cared for me and she well, not my wife at the time but um you know i think it was good for both of us i think it helped uh it helped heal heal a lot of both of our wounds and made us better people so so maybe i wouldn't tell him that maybe that's like that's the thing that you should you think you should say but you know that's the butterfly effect maybe i'd be worse now if i'd done that so um that that's yeah. why i love that question because uh, is it is it about this it's not necessarily about regret but it's what piece of information would you like to have known uh before mm. the experience and um I think take care of yourself is is one of the most level-headed uh, answers we've we've had on the show, uh, given <laughs> given everything. It's um, there's 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 been some very interesting answers along the path. But have uh, you answered the same question yet? Has anyone has anyone turned the question back on you yet? Uh, I don't think so. Well, I'm doing it. <laughs> I want to hear what. You um, <laughs> I w I would I would probably say. Uh, just doubt yourself a lot less because there's been a lot of uh, a lot of self doubt and uh, and kind of I, I'd start something and stop it immediately just purely based on on fear and stuff like that. Um, so I think uh, go for it to to sum it up. Just just go for shit. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, there's uh, something I I know we're, we're wrapping up anyway, but I I recently saw something. I haven't quite finished watching it, but I saw the the first beginning of it and I loved it. I might not finish it, but I want to. But um, the Patreon CEO did a web uh, like he did a seminar about um, all the things he didn't do right before he got Patreon right, and it was so nice to see someone talking about the 99% of failed ventures and all the time wasted on things that, well not wasted, but you know, all the time spent on things that never, you know, took off and uh, it was so nice and so refreshing. I didn't realize how much I needed to hear something uh, like that. Uh, what you said she, she asked you that question on the 50th episode but oh that I'm is true that. we had uh, my apologies with you i don't remember the episode because there was like six people on on the zoom call and uh, both tara and uh, my wife tara and ahmed munir sitting uh, across the table from me <laughs> it was a it was a hectic podcast but, uh, yeah, but yeah that is true as well you're, you're bound to forget i'm, like, I'm I, curious i, I want to go back and watch that episode and see if i have the same answer <laughs> that would be cool that would be really cool, wouldn't uh, but it? But I, I, I'm glad you brought up the the Patreon CEO because I one of his talks, um, work to publish, is something that uh, inspired and uh, and motivated this podcast. Instead ah. of uh, work to finish, he has this really cool talk about how uh, art can't be finished and you you just need to abandon it at some point, waiting to finish a song, uh, or or uh, a video or anything like that. Uh, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot because that emotion doesn't exist for art and you you're you're a publisher once you become you know a podcaster a musician a video maker your your work is uh, is to publish instead of to finish and um i saw that just before the podcast and that's why i was like fuck it three a week 
yeah, that's the way to do it, man. Um, literally, I just respect you going for it so hard with that. So, uh, yeah, props to you and props to your tribe, man. You guys are all hanging out and uh, and you know showing your support from for myself, but also for Adnan. I just you know great 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 of all of you and thanks to everyone who's watched and actually listened this far in on the uh on the on the the next um the the, the, the version that will be that's been released for those who are listening after the fact um you know most most what was it like the stupid percentage of books or whatever don't ever actually get finished yeah. so um yeah, yeah for, for everyone we have uh, we have tradition for everyone that uh, that makes it this far uh, just uh, send me a message over on Instagram or, or leave a comment uh, on on Facebook or something like that. It's uh, it's always nice to see the ones that stick around for uh, that one hour and a half mark is is hard to hit for for a lot of people. So yeah. we truly do appreciate it, um, Mike. If you finish it to this point, then do just say doubt yourself less. Comment saying doubt yourself less because <laughs> everyone needs to hear that anyway, and then 100%. we'll know. So that, that that keeps it pushing forward, you know. Thank you so much, Mike, for uh, for your time, and uh, I'm super stoked to to have this conversation with you and get to know you a little more. It's crazy that these in this fast paced world we we meet each other, we uh, we say hi five years ago, six years ago, and uh, stay connected and and end up doing stuff like this. Yeah, I think it's wonderful because we met each other and we haven't ha we haven't got like a, a, a like any real hangs other than that. One quick meeting. I, I can't remember other times that we uh, that our shoulders actually uh, brushed. No, I think I we think were always. It, yeah. So it's, I think that's wonderful that we'd like then now have this opportunity to get to know each other as well. But thank you again for the invite and for like hanging on. I know we had like a few uh, moments where we planned it and it didn't happen. So yeah, thank you again for um, uh, just for having me and for everyone for sticking around. I really appreciate and, it. And uh, check out check out Mike's uh, Twitch. It's going to be uh, pinned in the comments and uh, the Discord server is also pinned in the comments. I'm also going to uh, repost those both tomorrow 9 a.m. Uh, Dubai time uh, with the audio on Facebook and Instagram. So if you guys uh, if you guys missed it now, you'll you'll catch the links tomorrow. And um, yeah, man, episode sixty five. Thank you guys for tuning in. And Thank uh, you so much. if you could do uh, the honors, Mike, of saying hit the outro. Hit the outro. Oh wait, hang on. I'm gonna do it.